You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. I was just thinking, back when I was pastor at Vandercook, I had four presentations and four preparations every week. It takes me longer now to get one ready. <laughs> That's what happens when you get up in years. Thank you, Pastor, for the privilege. Glad to have you back. I'm not going to fall down because you're here. <laughs> so, and I appreciate you folks' prayer for me. As you know, I'm preparing. Whenever that occasion comes, as I said on Sunday night, whatsoever that hand findeth to do at this juncture in life, do it with all your strength. So we have some verses in the Bible that are precious to us at this time. Tonight I want to share with you three innings of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> The incoming of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and the infilling of the Spirit. And I will spend most of the time on the infilling of the Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who comes, representing in person the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon them and he was with them. But he wasn't, with, he wasn't in them as he is with us today. We believe that because the word of God says it. I may not have a special feeling or anything of that kind. God says the Holy Spirit, the moment we trust Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. And he is there forever. In the Old Testament, he... Uh, came upon them. Remember Bezalel in the building of the of the uh, temple and the furniture that was there that took some real skilled artificers to make all of those items of furniture there. And the Spirit of the Lord filled him for the task at hand. And he did a beautiful job. In the New Testament, God says he will be in you. Not occasionally, but all the time. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. And when I'm talking about believers, I'm talking about genuine believers. There are a lot of very questionable people who call themselves Christians today. But I'm talking tonight about genuine believers. For them, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who are they? The super spiritual of the church? No, they're problem people and dedicated people to the Lord. All who are genuine believers have the Holy Spirit come into them. The church in Corinth was a carnal church. And yet, these are some of the things that Paul has for us. Some were 
guilty of fornication, others defrauding and divorce and disorders and diversities and doctrine and things of that kind. The Holy Spirit is already in us. The Christian, we all have him and we will ever have him. Um, But the Holy Spirit does have... Uh, Does he have all of us? That's the question that we have tonight. Does he control us? Does he influence every area of our life? The Jews were filled with wrath against the, the, um, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the characteristics, if you turn please to, uh, to, um, Ephesians 5.18. No. No, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. So these in Corinth were saved people. Uh, they had not all grown spiritually at the same rate, and some were carnal. Yet the Holy Spirit was in them. He was grieved in some of those who were disobedient. He was quenched sometimes in the things that the Holy Spirit wanted them to do with their lives, and they did not do it. But 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, All had been baptized into the body of Christ. Not some, not many, not just most, but all of them were those who were genuine believers in Christ. So the incoming Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Bible does not say we should seek for it or pray, pray for it or wait for it or go to the altar for it. We just receive him and have him when we believe in Jesus Christ genuinely as our Savior. Secondly, the Holy Spirit indwells us. In the Old Testament, he came upon and could leave Uh, those whom he used. We remember Samson, a great man of God for a while. And uh, then when Delilah tempted him, um, and uh, tempted him to do something wrong. And he said, well, uh, Delilah said the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And uh, he said, well, I'll go out and slay them as I always did, not knowing that the Lord had departed from him. So he could and did sometimes depart from those in the, in the Old Testament. And King Saul, remember, was a great strong man, uh, the Spirit of God, and God came upon him. Uh, But then, uh, when he was not living for the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. David, even in Psalm 51, 11, said, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He would not have said that under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, unless the possibility was there for the Holy Spirit to leave him, uh, just because he was not obedient to the Lord. 
So in the Old Testament economy, the Holy Spirit of God could come upon and enable him in the work of the Lord that he had done for him to do. But he could and did leave when his ministry was complete or when the person was no longer obedient and yielded to the Lord. But in the New Testament, he will never leave those who have trusted him as personal Savior. John 14, 6, the Lord Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter to abide with you along forever. He will come to stay and make his residence in you forever and ever. Ephesians 4 tells us, Grieve not the Holy Spirit by whom you have been sealed unto the day of redemption. We may grieve the Holy Spirit and quench the Holy Spirit, but he indwells every genuine believer forever. He may need to chasten us, and chastise us, but whatever. Evangelist Anthony Zioli of you long ago has said of, of his area, he said, if I ever go to hell, the Holy Spirit will have to go there with me because God says he will never leave me. So a great deal of controversy has come about the eternal security uh, of the believer. If you don't shape up, you won't go up, somebody said. If you don't bear fruit, you'll be taken out of the vine. That's not true. Neither one are true. Our security is not because of us, dependent upon us. It's because of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. When God gave us the eternal life, he gave us an eternal indwelling Holy Spirit. So we have all of him. We don't have half of him or a quarter of him. So we need some more. We have all of him. The question is, how much of us does he have? How much does he influence? How much does he control in our lives? Now, the third one is the Holy Spirit's infilling. <clears throat> um, so here we read. Now we're back in Ephesians chapter... 5 and verse 18. And be not drunk with my wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The Greek has it, be being filled with the Spirit. Now it's not like a gas station. You go and put the nozzle in the tank and you get more of the Holy Spirit. We have all of him we will ever have. But how much of us does he control and influence for the Lord? It's not a result of any strange, ethereal experience, unusual abilities, speaking in tongues, or floating around with a special glow on the spiritual cloud nine. But the results in just plain, practical goodness and righteousness and truth as we allow him to infuse us with his power and with his love for other people. So we read, 
being out drunk with wine. Interesting that he puts the two of them together. God is very much against that drunkenness. I have known a few drunkards in my life. And they can be one kind of a person uh, when they're sober. Very quiet, very controlled, very pleasant. And when they get drunk, it changes them from the inside out because of the control of the spirit of alcohol. And so we want to see something about what happens in in regard to this. Now we read. Speaking, these these are prepositions with the ing on there at the end. I looked it up in an English dictionary. I noticed one of the words that was there was was, um, not control. Result. Result. Some way the filling of the Holy Spirit results in some things that take place in our character in our actions as well. One of them is speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. The council um, threatened the disciples. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Boldness they never had before. The Holy Spirit indwelling them in those early chapters of the book of Acts, the disciples, over and over again, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and these were some of the things that took place in their lives. Maybe not to the same extent that they had it, but these are available to us as well today. We have the same Holy Spirit in us. Notice it doesn't say the Spirit filled the man will be speaking in tongues, but in psalms and hymns, speaking and sharing among yourselves the blessings of the Lord's work. Secondly, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and some of those things that are a blessing to, to the people there. I take a walk every day I can. In the summertime especially, I enjoy being outside. I walk for about a mile every day. If it's in the morning and the sun is coming up, or any day, even if it's cloudy, I sing. You know, it's boring to walk the same mile over and over and over again. And I don't think anybody else would appreciate my singing, but the Lord does, all right? The song I start with every morning is, When morning gills the skies, my heart awaking cries, may Jesus Christ be praised. Alike and work and prayer, to Jesus I repair. May Jesus Christ be praised. That's a song of praise to the Lord. Thankfulness for him. Turning the day over to him. And I have a lot of other ones too. Amazing Grace and so many, many others that I know by heart.
And so I sing them. I enjoy them. I think God enjoys them too because it's a form of worship for him. And then he says, giving thanks always. These are all under the filling of the Holy Spirit. These are the results that transpire. These are the things that should be true in our lives if we are filled with letting him have his way in our lives. Not getting more of him, but he's getting more of us. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good things and the easy things, but also the difficult things. If we're controlled by the Spirit, even disappointing things will be objects of our thanks because we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The apostles in Acts chapter 5, though they were um, given a hard time by, by everybody, they thanked God he uh, counted them worthy to suffer shame for his name. Thanking God, even in circumstances like that. And then verse 21, submitting yourselves one to the other in the fear of God. A lot can be included in that word, submitting yourselves one to the other. In honor, preferring one another. Listening and considering the other's viewpoint. Considering that, wives, submit your own selves to your husbands. That's a part of the infilling of the Spirit of God and what we know from the Word of God about that. Honoring the authorities that are over us. Honoring the spiritual leadership we have in our church from our pastor and teachers. Praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> um, Husbands, love your wives. Loving, uh, verse 25, love your wives. That's included in this package together. And honoring one another, uh, as it uh, speaks here. Oh, yeah. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is all under the, the heading of the filling of the Holy Spirit. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Oliver Green, an author and broadcaster of some years ago, at 62, he was dealing with this particular verse about children honoring your parents, and he said, I may not live to be an old man because in my youth I was not obedient and honoring to my parents. The strangest thing isn't strange because God said it in his word in four weeks he passed away. I'm not saying God would do that with everybody but he does it with some. Nurturing, chapter 6 and verse 4. Your fathers provoke not your children to wrath and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord's. Schools will not do it. Public schools. Christian schools make every effort to do it. But parents are the real people responsible 
for nurturing and training their children. Dr. Howard Hendricks said, the home is the great university of life. Not just knowledge, but the, the university of life, getting along together, working together. Only the spirit-filled parent can do that kind of a job. And then servants, in verse 5, be obedient to them that are your masters. So all of these still come under the heading, be ye continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you'll turn over to, for, to Colossians chapter 3. At the end of verse 16, admonishing one with another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children, but bring them up, or lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters. Where did we hear that before? Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians 5, it comes under the heading, Spirits Filling. Here, in verse 16, is a different heading with the same results. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Interesting comparison there. Be being filled, having all those characteristics. And here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom with the same characteristics in our lives. Which leads me to believe that there's a close relationship between the filling of the Holy Spirit. We have all of them we're going to get. How much of us does he have in our personal lives, in our family lives, in our work lives? And so there's a close relationship, I believe, in regard to that, and between those and the other, okay? So those who are filled will be speaking and singing and thanksgiving and all of those other things that we have mentioned. It's good to have that. So we remember all these things from Ephesians, which are the result of being filled with the Spirit, the same results from letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell there means be at home. Living at home. We had a, an aunt when I was down in my childhood. At the age of 20, she contracted polio and was handicapped from then on. 
She could stand, but she had to walk with crutches or hang on to a piece of furniture or something like that. After her parents died with whom she lived, um, she uh, had to live with someplace. She never married. And so the two brothers, my dad was one of them, and their families would invite Aunt Ethel, as we knew her, to come live with us. And she'd stay with us for two, three months or four months, and then she'd go live with the other uh, brother. You know, there are some changes made in our home and its operation while she was there. We had to make allowance for her handicap. So in the bathroom, we had grab bars and handles and things like that. We didn't have any throw rugs laying around that she might trip on. I'm sure that my mom wondered many, many times about fixing a meal. What would Ethel like? What is this something that she would not care for, that she maybe her body could not stand? And so her very presence there, and uh, in the evening if we were listening to radio or watching television, what type of program would she enjoy? And of course with five kids in the home, uh, a lot of ruckus goes on sometime. But those things were quieted when Aunt Ethel was there because she was in the home. That had an influence of what went on in our home. The same is true of the filling of the Holy Spirit. He's there. Do we shove him off into our chapel room? Praise God for Sunday services here. We get so much from our pastor and from the teachers God has given to us here. But you know, he wants to be more than just in the chapel. He wants to control what we eat, what we think, what we read, what we do with our finances and things of that kind. Let him into every room of the house. He's there permanently. He's not going to leave after three months. He's there permanently. Do we make allowance for him being there? It will be to our benefit, not just so he will like it, but to our benefit if he's there indwelling us all the time. And in that indwelling, controlling every area of our life. And so I'm suggesting here tonight the filling of the Holy Spirit is related if not equal to letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, abundantly. How much time do we spend with God's precious word outside of Sunday? I would challenge you sometime to keep a record of a day. How much time is spent with television? I watch the news most of the time in the morning. It's almost always bad news. This is God's good news. Good news. And so we have that opportunity. I thank the Lord for that. So the filling of the Holy Spirit, to my way of thinking, is related to, 
if not equal to letting the Word of God control our lives. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, abundantly. Praise God for those who read the Word of God through in a year's time. Praise God for that. And many people come up kind of proud because, well, I had my Bible reading today. It may take four or five minutes. But as the scripture tells us in Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we trust that you'll take these things and, and think them over in your life. Check up on yourself and what you're doing with your time. God tells us, redeeming the time for the days of you. You would be surprised. I did it. I was surprised how much time was spent in non-essentials. Recreation, television, electronic gadgets, and all the rest of that. I don't have those, but many people have them. As compared to how much time we're in the Word of God, letting the Word of Christ, the Word of God, Dwell with us abundantly in all wisdom. Most of us have heard or read about the the British ship uh, Bounty. Remember the the title um, Mutiny on the Bounty. I and I guess it's been made into a movie way back years and years ago. So I I looked it up. It really did happen. There really was a ship. It was a British sailing ship that ran into trouble in the South Pacific many, many years ago. And they'd had some trouble on the ship, and there was a mutiny on the part of some of the crewmen. And nine mutineers, and they were wrecked on a little tiny island in the South Pacific. Nine mutineers and six native men and 12 native women who were Tahitian were cast ashore on Pitcairn Island in 1790. They were the only inhabitants of the island of about two square miles. Not long afterwards, one sailor began to produce some alcohol by getting together some native plants and processing them. And the little colony was plunged into debauchery and vice and fighting and killing and death. Ten years later, only one of the mutineers was left, John Adams, surrounded by native women and half-breed children. And he knew that something had to be done or they would be all gone in a matter of a few years. He located an old chest that was wrecked on the shores when the ship went down and found in a waterproof container a Bible. He took that Bible and because there was so little to do other than just live and eat and go to bed, whatever bed they had, So he said, well, 
I don't have any other reading material, so he began to read the Bible. He began, the Spirit of God began to work in his heart, he began to enjoy it. So he began to share it with the other on the island of the several people that were there. And they began to be in love with the Word of God themselves. The result was his own life and ultimately the lives of the others were drastically changed. After many years, the USS Topaz, one of our own ships, discovered there was life on the island and they sent a party ashore to see what was happening there. They found a community with no drunkenness, no crime, no jails, no laziness, no sexual immorality. It doesn't mean they're all saved, but it overhauled their community at that time. The turning point came when they began to read and heed the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell, be at home in every heart room that you have, every area of your life. And that opens the way for the Holy Spirit to control through his word, our actions and our deeds and our thoughts. J. Wilbur Chapman, uh, an old time Bible scholar and preacher, said, as I read that, I decided I wanted to have something I could hang on to in regard to how to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so the Holy Spirit could control my life. And he had a little formula that I'd like to give. I hope you will copy it down someplace or on anything and then put it in your Bible someplace where you can find it. These five things to help us to let the word of Christ dwell, be at home in us. Number one, study it through. He didn't say read it through, that is good. But someplace along the line we have to get down to the nitty gritty. I'm reading a book right now where the fellow comes across a situation in a particular verse and for him and for me, don't that things just don't quite jive together. But then he begins to look at the cross-references. And he spends more time with the cross-references than with the verse he's dealing with. But at the end, we come to the conclusion, well, it's clear as it can be. Because of study. Study is work. Have you discovered that? Study to show thyself, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, making proper use of the word of God to our understanding. So we study it through. Secondly, write it down. Whatever the Lord shows you, whatever you hear from pastor or any speaker, I write all the time. I take notes down there. What do I do with it? Go home and throw it away? I go through those notes in the afternoon with the word of God again. So seal that truth to my heart. Write it down. I, I have this old Bible. 
it isn't that I can't afford another one. I have more home, more books at, or more Bibles at home, but I have so many just brief notes in the margin. They're just precious to me, and I happen to have a Bible that has some that has some blank pages in the front. I'll just read some things I noted down over the years. Some hindrance to and answered prayer, unconfessed sin, unwillingness to obey unbelieving heart, unforgiving spirit, unworthy motive, unharmonious marriage, with scriptures that go with it. Um, Dr. Jeremiah had something there the day. God's responses to our prayer. If it is not God's will, he says, no. If it is not God's time, he said, slow. If it's not living God's way, he says, grow. If it's in God's will and time, he says, go. Wonderful. I have this from another preacher. Um, the differences between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. In the rapture, only believers see him. In the second coming, everybody will. In the rapture, Jesus comes in the air. At the second coming, comes to the earth. In the rapture, we return to heaven with him. In the second coming, Jesus stays to rule a thousand years. In the rapture, rapture is a mystery. In the second coming, lots of details, especially in the book of Revelation. In the rapture, only believers are judged. In the second coming, all unbelievers are judged. In the rapture, no changes to the earth. In the second coming, a partial renovation of the earth. In the rapture, Satan keeps working on earth as he does today. He'll keep us occupied and diverted so we don't have time for the precious word of God. At the second coming, Satan is banished for a thousand years. In the rapture, judgment for rewards. In the second coming, judgment for eternal punishment. So those are just some things that I jotted down. Study it through. Write it down. Thirdly, pray it in. I have devotions in the morning. I happen to use daily bread. Don't always appreciate the version of the Bible that they use, but there's some great things there. And after I have my Bible reading and thoughts about that, I pray. And I always pray that particular scripture back to God. Lord, show me what this means if there's any question. And if it's very clear, Lord, work that out in my life today. So, pray it in. Fourthly, live it out. Are there ways today that I can do this? And keep that in my mind so that if the occasion arises for me to use that particular truth in testimony to somebody or some response to somebody who has a need, how wonderful to do that. And finally, pass it on.
Got them all? Study it through. Write it down. My margins are full of notes. Pray it in. Live it out. Finally, pass it on. I may even remember Pastor's sermon many months ago. Why bad things happen to good people. Okay. I took notes more than usual at that time. I thought, that's so good. So many people today, so many even Christians, need something like that. So I sat down with my old 1950 typewriter, and I typed an outline of those nine points that were there, including the scriptures that went with them. And I took it over to my daughter's house and had her make copies of it. And I knew some people uh, that needed that type of thing. I sent one to a dear, wonderful, born-again Jewish lady up in Carroll. And just, just a joy to talk with her. You can't talk with her. She talks so much you can't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> but she is wonderfully safe. She said, I am a fulfilled Jewess. And she is. Praise the Lord. I have a friend down in Indiana. Uh, the two of them were in their family, were fine members of our church in Vandercook. Then they moved to Wisconsin, now have moved to Indiana, and we're such a dedicated couple, and uh, were so helpful to us in the work in Vandercook. And uh, she became ill with an intestinal infection. She spent five months in the hospital had seven surgeries. I sent one of those outlines of Pastor Sermon to her. From both of those sources, I've had praise for giving it to them. Last Christmas, I got a card from the couple in Indiana <clears throat> with a letter about them for the year. And this is for the first time now in all these years, she wrote, on the card, thanking me for that outline. I just passed it on. Took notes, passed it on. It was a blessing to them, and I understand some of them have shared it with somebody else. What are the five? Study it through, write it down, pray it in, live it out, Pass it on. Anything that's of God is worth passing on. So remember, put those two together. Ephesians 5, Colossians 3. And remember, the results that ensue from the filling of the Spirit and letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly are the same. So I almost equate the two. So there's no ethereal, strange ideas. Well, if you go to the altar often enough and things like that, or if you have an you know, earth-shaking experience of some kind, uh, the Holy Spirit will fill you. It's a very practical thing. Let the Word of Christ, the Word of God, dwell in you richly in all wisdom. 
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.